Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Monday, November 27th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the weekend's box office numbers. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer and box office expert, Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Ryan, did you have a, a good Thanksgiving? I had a very interesting Thanksgiving. I went to uh, New Mexico with my girlfriend's uh, uh, dad and brother, and we stayed at a town called Riadoso. Um, very cool. It was about an hour outside of Roswell, and I got to stop at Roswell uh, on the way, which was neat. Oh, so, nice. Uh, you know, like, Roswell is one of those weird, like, pillars of, like, the world. You know, people like, oh, Roswell, New Mexico, where the aliens crashed. And, like, so it's kind of cool to sort of see, like, the actual place that sprang around that mythical uh incident um but yeah so it was fun it was very interesting it was cool to get out of town and uh i had had bad experiences with new mexico i hated albuquerque the couple times i've been through there but uh highly recommend uh rio so very cool place awesome. that was what i did what about you man yeah. uh i had a good thanksgiving it was very low-key and my wife and i celebrated the i believe it's the sixth annual vince garal day which is a holiday that we made up that i've talked about on this podcast before which is the day after thanksgiving the rest of the world knows as Black Friday, but she and I know as Vince Garalde, which is the day that marks the day that we start listening to Christmas music for the first time in the year. Uh, <laughs> all that, um, you know, obviously start earlier and earlier. Uh, but we kick things off with the Vince Garaldi trio's uh, Charlie Brown Christmas album. And just listen to that on repeat for a while. Uh, and then, you know, go get the Christmas tree and, and start decorating for Christmas and all that. So I know people, you know, have different times of year where they do all that stuff. But we've just sort of committed to this this bit of doing it the day after Thanksgiving and uh, have kind of turned it into like a, a holiday of our own. So, yeah, the Thanksgiving was good hanging out with family and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, celebrating Vince Guaraldi. So that happy. is so painfully charming. I love that. Like so deep. I love that's amazing. Uh, real quick, before we get into the news here, you're talking about being in Roswell. I've never been over there before. Did you actually see Area 51? Is it like a thing where you can drive by and like look out the window and be like, hey, there it is? No, we didn't have as much time as I would have liked because we kind of stopped on the way into Riadoso. And then as some of you know, I... Uh, uh, my girlfriend's car broke down about 30 minutes outside of Roswell, uh, 500 miles into a 580 mile drive. Mm. Um, and uh, so, you know, that kind of hampered things a bit. But um, but uh, it, it, the, basically we were in most like the town and we got there a little late. So there wasn't a ton to do. But basically the entire town has sort of been like, OK, people come here for aliens. So we're just <laughs> lean into that. So like we did this like spacewalk thing where it's like this you know, just weirdly assembled like tunnel, like black light tunnel of just a bunch of alien figures from like prop stores and stuff. And they give you like eight guns to run through there and shoot stuff, even though they don't do anything. And that was super fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple of like, gift shops and stuff. So it was like, we didn't spend a ton of time there, but it was very uh, kitschy and sort of fun. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's sort of exactly what you would expect, like a capitalism based society to do with that sort of thing. Um, uh, which like for my taste was fun, but you know, that's kind of. The... Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So let's dive into it, right? Let's talk about, uh, you have an article going up soon called the 2023 Thanksgiving box office gives the film industry something to be thankful for. So I assume that means that the, uh, the general numbers and, and all that kind of stuff that this past weekend were pretty good. Is that an uh, accurate assessment? Uh, yes, yes, it is. So um, uh, give me, uh, pardon me for just a second. Let me pull up more exact numbers here. But uh, this was something that was kind of somewhat quietly mentioned in a Hollywood Reporter article. And they had mentioned that the Thanksgiving box office this year is it is is uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% higher than it was in 2022. Now, those numbers don't quite seem to add up based on what I've seen so far. But the good news is that, yes, the box office is a lot higher overall than it was last year. So let me go ahead and give you some quick numbers here. So uh, last Thanksgiving, you had Black Panther Wakanda Forever top the charts um, over the Thanksgiving frame. And uh, that made like $45 million. So that was a lot more than this year's number one, which was Hunger Games, which made like $28.8 million. But if you look at the overall like total, what all of the movies at the box office made. So across the five day last year, the total was 134 million. Uh, if we look at this year across the five day, it was 167 million. Mm. So as you can hear that, that the, so even though the number one movie made a fair amount less, the overall box office health indication is that like things are a lot better And case in point, like, We'll get into some of this other stuff, but like Napoleon did much better than expected. Uh, Disney's Wish, despite not doing as well as expected, still pulled in a fair audience. Trolls band together Thanksgiving. And so you had more of a spread. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a sign of a healthier box office environment as opposed to like one movie leading the way and everything else fighting for scraps. So, um, you know, it not only was it more money, but it was more spread out, which I think is healthier. So that was good. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm looking ahead to next year and thinking about how like maybe borderline cataclysmic things are going to be because of all the <laughs> yeah. delays and stuff like that. And it's, it's nice to hear that things are doing well and the industry seems somewhat healthy right now, or at least like healthier than it has been in the, the sort of COVID era. Um, but I, I wonder if you're able to, um, to celebrate these wins in the short term without, um, without looking ahead and and feeling like there's this shadow that's looming large that that is just going to come down and sort of like wipe everything away next year i mean i think you have to right especially if you're in the movie theater business like you have to look at like okay sure maybe wish didn't perform but but even like relatively speaking like the marvels dropped only 37 percent in the third weekend now granted the marvels is still in disaster zone but you've got to look at stuff like that or something like the holdovers which you know, uh, went up a couple percent this week for a smaller movie. So like, you know, Taylor Swift, the Eras tour is still making money on its seventh weekend. And so I think that, that the industry week to week, you got it. You have to look at that stuff. You have to be like, okay, we're still, we have more than one movie that's pulling people into theaters right now. And, and that's a good thing. So I think that where your optimism could maybe come in for next year, what you could extract is that some of these smaller movies that will still get released have a have a better chance of pulling in audiences than they did in like 2021. And that okay. I think gives you a chance to 
if you're in the uh, exhibition business, sort of weather the storm. My expectation is that what we're going to get announced is like there's going to be if there's any anniversaries or anything coming up, we'll probably get like some last minute re-releases of things that, you know, that might help fill in the calendar next year. And some of those things have done well. So it's entirely possible that, yes, there's no question we're going to have a bit of a down bit next year, but I think it can be managed a bit. And then because I think the movie going appetite is clearly there now and people aren't going to ready. People aren't going to be ready to just give that up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I had not thought about the idea of just how um, simple it is really to just re-release old movies. I was just kind of thinking like, man, it's just going to be like a ghost town, but of course they're going to find a way to put something out. Right, Um, and I would think like one thing I would look at is like around the Oscar season, you're probably going to get like an Oppenheimer re-released from Universal, not just to capitalize on the Oscar stuff, but that movie's only 50 million away from crossing a billion worldwide. So, you know, I think that they would like to maybe try to get, get it over that mark. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, relevant anniversaries, things like that. You can, yeah, you can potentially, so that would be my best guess. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that makes me feel slightly better about, um, <laughs> what could be a disastrous year at the box office next year. Yeah, I'm um, trying not to be down on it, but it, it is a little grim and, and maybe, maybe next month, uh, we could, do an episode sort of looking at the first half of next year and like, you know, sort of going over like, how bad is it? You know, but like yeah, for now, I would love that. Yeah. 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 Um, but, Cause I, I just have like this sense in my mind of like this swirling vortex of insanity on the, on the distant future, but I actually haven't drilled down into like the calendar and seen, you know, broken it down. So yeah, I would love to do that on an on episode in the future. Um, speaking of drilling down, let's talk a little bit about like some of the, <laughs> the big numbers for uh, each of these, these big movies that debuted over the Thanksgiving uh, weekend. What were the, the things that stood out to you, Ryan? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, let, let's go over the, the top three here. Cause I think that's the, that's where I think things get a little bit tricky, right? Where it's like, it's an expectations managing thing, right? And there's a few complicated things in here. So first off, like I said, we had The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That topped the charts for a second weekend in a row, uh, rather unexpectedly. Um, that was not what the industry had in mind. We talked a little bit um, on the podcast last week about Disney's Wish and what the expectations were um, were for that. And it fell well short. A Wish placed at number three. Uh, for the three-day weekend, it only made $19.5 million. Um, it uh, it made uh, 31.7 across the full five-day stretch. If you recall, on the conservative end, we were looking at $40 million on that five-day stretch, with $50 million still being a little bit conservative. So it came in well below those projections. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the concerning part. Um, whereas you have something like Napoleon, which was uh, we talked a lot about that as well. Well, that made... Uh, that came in at number two, very surprisingly, at $20.6 million across the three-day and 32.7 across the five-day. It was also the number one movie overseas, making $46.3 million for a $79 million debut. Now we're talking about a movie that's going to be hitting streaming on Apple TV+, Plus, a movie with somewhat mixed reviews that's got like a B-minus cinema score, didn't matter. Ridley Scott, Joaquin Phoenix, that pulled people in, so... Mm-hmm. You know, that was encouraging. So, you know, that there was that. So, so you know, you had Lionsgate sort of getting a win. You've got Napoleon being a win relative for Apple, which is very good for, you know, original cinema and stuff like that. But then you have, you know, the kind of relative misfire of Wish for Disney, which is bad because Disney was, oddly enough, before the pandemic, one of the most reliable purveyors of original cinema, particularly through animation, which people don't give them enough credit for. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, now that's sort of faltering, which is why we're getting Frozen 3 and 4 in development at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, so so there's there's sort of a lot to sort of parse with those three sort of movies at the top there, depending on how, you know, what questions you have or what you'd like to talk about. Well, yeah, again, I'm not really sure like what the big um, sort of like big picture takeaways are there. I guess it's like good for all of those things. And maybe like Napoleon's box office will be um, an encouragement to uh, the apples and maybe Amazons of the world to continue to fund uh, auteur driven projects like this, you know, for, for those companies that have so much money that um, that they can afford to <laughs> essentially like write it off or, you know, blow $200 million on a budget or whatever. Whereas like a lot of these other uh, more traditional studios don't have like the economics don't really work in the same way for them. Um, so maybe, you know, Napoleon's performance uh, is an encouraging sign, right? Like, is that, is that a, a potential uh, takeaway here? That, that's my potential takeaway here. And I, and I would say like very similar to killers of the flower moon, which we've talked about a lot. I regular listeners of the podcast don't need me to rehash that again, but like, but I think that like, if you could sort of look at like, if Napoleon worldwide can sort of match the budget, I think that would probably be roughly where Apple would be like, Hey, we're happy with this. Yeah. No, we're not going to make money with it in theaters, but that really helps cover the cost and then we still get a, a significant benefit to apple tv plus and likely at least get some oscar nominations if not wins down the road i think for mm -hmm. them that's you know you look at like the sum total of what can be considered value not necessarily like monetary value i think that works for them that's that yeah. sort of emerging business model and and i think that's my hope that's sort yeah. of and but i think that you know if this had debuted to like you know 10 12 million you know we might be having a different conversation but i think the fact that it's sort of overperformed expectations is good yeah okay so we got to talk about wish a little bit more um because this movie as you mentioned just did not perform the way that that disney was hoping and disney has had kind of a um I don't know, a, a bit of a run of bad luck at the box office, I guess you could say like, the, you know, th there's, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of questions are going to have to be answered by the folks who are running Disney right now. Um, and, you know, I, I just wonder like what the, you have an article called Disney's wish was a big, a big disappointment at the box office, but don't count it out yet. And I'm wondering if you think this is going to be like, has the potential to be another elemental type of situation or like, what do you mean by don't count it out yet? Well, that that's kind of it. There's two paths here. Yes, it's there's no absolutely no question. Uh, this is like at the at the outset, this is not good. But you know, we talked about Elemental like it was doomed because of the traditional box office thinking, the way that things have largely gone in the pandemic era. We just looked like it was dead on arrival, and yet that movie has now made four hundred ninety-five million dollars worldwide. It is the ninth highest grossing movie of the year and the highest grossing original movie since the pandemic began you know so like so there's a lot of reason to be optimistic there original um, animated movie no I, I, original because i mean if you look at anything that's done bigger business it's been based on an ip or uh some sort of historical oh yeah or even like uh based on a book or something like based on, but yeah, whatever, so, yeah. so it is it is amazingly enough the highest grossing original movie it overtook tenet to to sort of take that spot a while back wow. but the point being is that that movie opened to, you know, like I think it was 29 million. It was seemed disastrous, you know, uh, at, at, at the beginning. So uh, the the commonality there would now th there's a slight difference here in that critics have been a little rough on Wish, but audiences seem to be responding it very similarly to Elemental. It has an A minus cinema score. And you're heading into 
this longer holiday stretch mm-hmm. across the Christmas season and stuff where a movie like this can absolutely leg out. That's what happened with Elemental. It was during the summer break. So families were out and, and it just kept legs week after week after week after week. And it also mm-hmm. made a lot of its money overseas where Disney has a massive footprint. A uh, big thing here with Wish is it made $17.3 million overseas in its debut, but it's, it, it is rolling out in most markets throughout December. So it has hardly reached most of its major markets yet. So, you know, if overseas moviegoers respond like they did with Elemental, this could, you know, it could be a, an Elemental situation. Hmm. Now, even if it's not, let's say it tops out closer to like 300 million worldwide, which would not be good based on the budget alone. But then what I would say you'd look to Encanto uh, from 2021. So uh, Encanto topped out at 256 worldwide against $150 million budget. Now, again, your typical box office math would tell you eh, that's not great, but the cultural impact of Encanto, it became a monster hit on streaming. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about Bruno was a, was a literal chart topper. So the soundtrack did gangbusters. I think if you talk to anyone at Disney, they're thrilled to have that movie in the catalog. Now probably made them a lot of money on merch sales, DVD, VOD, all this stuff, right? Plus the value it brings to Disney plus wish could in theory have it carve a similar path and maybe not profit at the box office purely, but could bring value down the road. So, so I think that there's, there are a couple of possible paths for this movie to still not be a disaster or anything, but, but, you know, again, as the numbers exist, it's not great, but there, there is, let's not like, you know, sound the alarm bell too quickly here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, Ryan. I like that, uh, that analysis there. And, um, yeah, you were mentioning like, uh, bringing value a little bit down further down the road. We have, actually have a listener email that I want to read uh, after we take a break in just a second that kind of goes into that. So I'm going to spring that on you and uh, we'll see how we how we do with that. Uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, like Disney is in this um, is in this sort of lull right now at the box office and studios ebb and flow all the time. And I, like I remember when Warner Brothers was really riding high in the late 2000s, early 2010s when like, the Dark Knight and Inception and like, you know, that period where like uh, Thomas Toll from Legendary, like Legendary had their big deal with um, their big distribution deal with Warner Brothers. And it just seemed like WB could do no wrong. Uh, and Disney was actually struggling pretty mightily in that period where they were putting out, you know, John Carter and and the Lone Ranger and like these big budget um, movies that were just completely bombing. And uh, yeah, this stuff just happens sometimes, you know, like I've seen a lot of people being like, oh my God, like Disney, you know, there's sound the alarm, basically like, you know, there's huge problems going on right now. Um, It just kind of feels to me like this is part of the business. Like, you know, this kind of stuff happens and they just got to ride it out. Um, So anyway, just wanted to mention that real quick, but uh, actually, yeah, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about what's coming up next week at the box office, or I guess like later this week. And then, uh, yeah, I'll I'll try to spring this email on you, Ryan, and we'll see how we do. Here we go. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Belinda from Chicago sent an email to us, and she said, this question is for the numbers guy. My husband loves him. So I'm guessing that's you, Ryan. Hey, <laughs> got it. Uh, she says, uh, when a movie is released in theaters, you can calculate the profit and losses with ticket sales. What I can't figure out is when a movie is released straight to video, how does the studio recoup its money? Um, so I guess let's stop there. The, the email continues. But uh, do you have... I mean, I kind of have like a nebulous idea of how this stuff works, Ryan. I wonder if you have a more uh, concrete view of exactly how that works than than I do. I can't say. I think the trickiest thing with that is, and we can talk about home video in a few ways, but I think the trickiest thing with that is that there aren't like as transparent numbers released for that stuff, um, particularly in the VOD era. The one thing I will say is this. Uh, I talk about this a lot where like a typical, the, the rule of thumb math here is that a studio will get half of the money from ticket sales returned to them. So let's say a movie makes $800 million at the global box office. The studio can expect to see about 400 million of that return to them. So, um, you know, just cause a movie makes 800 million at the box office doesn't mean the studio made $800 million. Now mm-hmm. with VOD, the number I typically hear is that the studio keeps something like 85% of that revenue. So when you had that premium VOD window open up in the pandemic, where you have a rental for, $20, the studio is going to keep 80% of that money instead of, you know, 50% of that money. So mm-hmm. there's part of it. Okay. Um, so, and then you oh, also have Blu-ray and stuff. Sorry. Then you have Blu-ray and stuff, but as we've talked about a lot, those sales are, have declined significantly in recent years. Um, so, you know, that's a part of it, but it, it it's a smaller part of it. It depends on the movie, of course, but um, yeah. So, so, so that's kind of, there's that's kind of where the money comes from, but it, it all sort of depends on how that sort of shakes out for a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. So Belinda also uh, continues in the email. She says um, the Marvels is a flop at the box office or like the latest Indiana Jones movie didn't perform well. Does money from streaming ease the losses that the studio takes there? She says, I know the services rely heavily on new subscribers, but I also know a bunch of people who, who subscribe for one month, binge, and then cancel their accounts. Do the streamers and others count this as a profit or a loss? Everybody probably knows the answer to this. Please just count this up to a senior moment. <laughs> so uh, thanks for the email, Belinda. And and yeah, I wonder, like, do we have any sort of transparency on... Probably not. The, the answer is probably not, uh, because the streamers... That's the one thing that they are not is transparent. But do you know of any um, resource or outlet or uh, means of communicating information, Ryan, that like provides a window into exactly how valuable a particular thing is for a service when it when it uh, debuts on a streamer? No, no, I do not. And that is okay. part of like the frustration for like you can look at Netflix as their top 10 and they'll tell you minutes streamed. You know, sure, there's stuff like that. And then there's independent services that measure streaming for certain titles. Um, And yeah, of course, like those big anchor titles will help keep people subscribed to a service if you keep, you know, like a a good rotation of those things. That's why we had the, uh, sorry, pardon me. 
That's why we had a steady diet of Marvel shows followed by a Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. Did that end up ultimately hurting Marvel uh, at because you diluted the brand? Mm-hmm. Bob Iger has said as much. I'm so that's not me, you know, sort of putting that out there. That's yeah. Uh, but but so, you know, you, uh, that that's a whole other conversation. But of course, there are other ways to assess value. And again, like I think you look at Warner Brothers as having probably what I would state is like the smartest model right here where you have a healthy theatrical window. Then it goes to VOD then it'll go to like streaming on max and and bring them value that way. Um, and yeah, of course there's value there. Like blue beetles been the number one movie on max for like two weeks now or something like that. So yeah, that movie didn't do great in theaters, but it was originally supposed to go to max directly anyway. And I'm willing to bet the movie that the money that it made in theaters brought a heck of a lot of attention to it on max. So there's value there in some way for sure. It's yeah. difficult to calculate and you can't really, it's not a one-to-one thing. Like Netflix wouldn't make $200 million blockbusters like the gray man that don't really get released in theaters if they didn't bring them some value, but it's tough to sort of quantify that in the same way that like box office is a little easier to quantify. Yeah. 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 This is, uh, this is just a pleasure for me. I, I like, I love uh, just lobbing you the ball and just like letting you cook. I'm, I'm no, I'm mixing <laughs> metaphors there, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so thanks Belinda for that. And if anybody has any other questions, feel, uh, feel free to yeah. send us an email. I'll give yeah, you if you have any questions for the numbers guy, please let me know. Um, uh, that, <laughs> okay. that's a, that delighted me to no end. Uh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, the movies that are coming up uh, this week. So we have Godzilla minus one. We have silent night, the new um, John Woo movie starring Joel Kinnaman, which I'm guessing a lot of people don't know. It, that is even a thing that is happening because the marketing campaign has been so quiet for that. Um, yeah. I was, I, you know, it has a December 1st release date. I've known that for a long time and I've expected for the past month for that campaign to really kick into gear and start dropping trailers and, you know, f- during football games and the whole deal. And like, it's been very, very quiet there. I mean, no pun intended with the silent night title, but, uh, and then also Renaissance, a film by Beyonce is finally coming out. Um, so what do you think about like the potential that these things have, um, especially the Renaissance? I'm curious about that because we talked about that a lot uh, in the Taylor Swift era's tour conversation when that concert film debuted earlier yeah. and we were like, you know, potentially comparing it to what Beyonce might do. Like what do the tracking numbers say about what Renaissance might do uh, box office wise this weekend? Yeah, so the best, uh, again, I'm not the best prognosticator. So what I'm going to do is I'm going go to uh, go to my friends at Box Office Pro here uh, and look at what their sort of most recent uh, updates are here for this. So uh, they have across that December 1st window re- renaissance, the Beyonce film winning the weekend um, uh, with anywhere between 27 and $36 million. And I would say that sounds about right to me. Uh, the reviews have been good, but it's not quite that Taylor Swift level of like you can palpably feel the you know but again you're probably looking at a movie that costs 20 million to make at most you know and if you debuted at 30 million dollars domestic plus whatever you do overseas that's a huge win Mm -hmm. so you know i think it's not going to be quite eras tour level but if they can make 50 60 million domestic in total and match that worldwide you got a hundred million dollar grocer that's great yeah, and so, we should also mention that tickets, at least at AMC, cost twenty two dollars for that movie, which is different than 
you know, a, a non-concert film. Yeah, experience. it's like a it's a premium sort of. They're treating it like a premium thing. But again, I you know more power to them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any problem with that. You're you're. I mean, do you have any idea what it costs to go see Beyonce in concert? That's still a <laughs> steep. You know, I, I I am in favor of like if you can bring those experiences to people, do it. You oh, hundred percent. Um, I just mean like in terms of um, you know, when you're comparing uh, the box office takes of something like Renaissance versus Silent Night or whatever, it's just important oh, for people to to have the context to know that one of them costs essentially double, you know, what the other one. Yeah, does. And like that's the big thing the with Oppenheimer. Yeah, like that's a big thing with Oppenheimer where IMAX was such a big driver there, and yeah, that's important to note. But yeah, um, uh, so then uh, let's look at the other three here, uh, the other couple here, which I think are interesting. Is that so? Godzilla minus one, uh, which I'm seeing on Wednesday, they have like these preview screenings, uh, and I'm like unbelievably excited. I'm so I've it's got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and you, you've had people saying like it's maybe the best Godzilla movie ever made. Like I am wow. very excited. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so that's like the tracking that I've seen is somewhere between five and 9 million, you know, which again, I think for a Toho produced Godzilla movie, you know, like that isn't getting like advertised like crazy here in the States where it's probably going to make most of its money overseas. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, I think if you're a movie theater and you're saying, cool, we can put this on a couple of screens and fill up a couple screens over the week. I, you know, that's again, this is like, sort of specialty programming, let's call it. I think it's weird to call a Godzilla movie that, but, you know, it's not, it's not like the next, you know, it's not like the Godzilla versus Kong sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little bit different, but, um, so I think that's good. And I, so I probably, it might sneak its way into the top five probably for the weekend. And again, I think that would be good. Yeah. So, you know, great. that's Silent Night is the one I'm with you where I kind of wish that the, the marketing campaign, this is Lionsgate. So they tend to run a muted campaign. They tend to make slightly cheaper movies. I would guess they sort of did this at like a John Wick level, 17 to $30 million would be my guess for the budget. Right now, the tracking I've seen is anywhere between four and $9 million. So not great. Um, but you know, if it does well overseas, uh, VOD, this is the type of movie where like, maybe it doesn't purely profit theatrically, but Lionsgate excels at sort of capitalizing in those other windows. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, it might do okay. It's just a bit of a shame that we're not getting a bigger push for this thing. But, um, you know, because it's got a very interesting hook, and and I thought that first trailer was very good. So we'll see. But uh, expect um, a, a set expectations there, where it's a bit of a muted debut for that movie. I would think. Gotcha. Uh, anything else we should be keeping our eye out for, or anything like that? Uh, again, I, I would just say that for Godzilla fans that may be sleeping on it, you know, uh, Godzilla minus one. The word on it has been truly like glowing uh you know like like gareth edwards who directed 2014's godzilla like his reaction was just you know he's got no investment in a toho godzilla movie he doesn't have to come out and say like i you know but he just people are talking about this as if it's like like no 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 this is so so i would recommend to anyone who loves monster movies or you know don't sleep on this i haven't seen it yet but just the the word that i've heard is that it's tremendous so you know get this on your radar and if you're looking to get that blockbuster itch scratch this might be the best way to do it here in the next couple of weeks awesome okay cool i think that's going to do it for today's show you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com slashfilmdaily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple overcast spotify and wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe to our newsletter send your feedback questions comments concerns mailbag topics and 
items for the numbers guy to us at bpearson at slash film.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.